Cat Disgusted is a show about veterinary nursing. It is not a show about how to cure your sick pet. If your animal is sick, take it to the vet. Don't be a crazy person and use a podcast to cure your puking cat, dog, chinchilla, etc., etc. I think they would tell you the same thing. If they could. Which they can't. Which makes it hard. You know what's up. Take them to the vet. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the best of times and the worst of times in veterinary nursing. What the hell are we doing? Well, it's Chihuahua snapping feral cats flailing all while working with the baddest bitches in the business. I'm your host, Nicole Dickerson, RBT, and this... It's how our week went. What's up, you beautiful people? Uh, welcome back to another episode of Cat Disgusted. Uh, some of you guys visited the uh, the Facebook page, which is so dope. Uh, thank you so much for doing that and, and for liking it. Um, I'm having a great time doing this, so I'm hoping that you guys are feeling the same way, or at least somewhat the same way uh, and having fun listening to these uh, to these shows uh, this week what we're gonna do um, I've got a couple like little segments that we're gonna touch on um, one is the vein of puncture of the week I totally forgot to do that the last time and uh, it's this is a good one and then uh, I, we're gonna do two other two other segments this week um, one is one that I might repeat depending on how well it goes depending on how you guys dig it uh, which is just called stupid breeds and then uh, another one it, you know I'm kind of like poaching this idea from another podcast that I've never heard. So I kind of feel like, well, if I've never heard it, then I'm not officially stealing it, but I kind of am. Um, there's another fabulous podcaster out there who does a, a, a show in which one of her like repeating segments is she has guests on as she talks about their self-inflicted wound stories. And I love that idea. And I feel like, you know, veterinary technicians, you know, we, we, we have a rather large cachet of self-inflicted wound stories among us. And so I, I feel like some of it's just a hazard of the profession, but some of it's just, you know, we're running around with sharp things. So, uh, I figure we'll, we'll we'll do a couple of those because that's that's gonna be fun. So I think what we're gonna we're, what we're gonna start with this week uh, we're gonna start with talking about stupid breeds. Uh, and I've chosen one in particular. Uh, there was a, a and it's not it's not the patients. We love the patients. We love those guys. But you know it's it, it, the breed sometimes is 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 stack, stacking the odds against them. So without further ado, I'll bring you Cat Disgusted's very first stupid breed. How much is that dog in the window? <laughs> the one with the waggly tail. How much is that dog in the window? <laughs> I do hope that dog is for sale. I must take a trip to California. So the first breed that we're going to talk about uh, is a really 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 old one and i feel like you know it's it, that's part of the reason why i think it deserves first uh, first place in this podcast but uh the first breed is is the pekingese the pekingese dog um peking being the old the very old word for beijing china so this is when i say really really old breed this breed is 2000 years old and and originated in china um if you haven't seen one of these dogs i mean i highly recommend google imaging this one because seriously they're like 
little mythical creatures. They're very, very small. They're very, very hairy. They have little itty bitty little round heads. A lot of them are, are an all black color or some of them are like a light beige color with a little black face. Um, there's, they were bred to look like Chinese guardian lions. Like, you know, those like really big scary lions that you see like at the front entrance of um, temples and palaces or <laughs> Chinatown in, in San Francisco. Um, they're, they're supposed to look like that. So they have this, um, they have these really kind of long hair coming off of these little funny little scrunchy ears and, uh, and a very flat, flat face. And they have these bowed little legs. So when they're moving around, they kind of look like these little hairy hover crafts like you don't see any legs at all just kind of just around the room which i think is just adorable um there's a breed that uh, or a dog that won best of show at the american kennel club dog show which is like the top this is like the olympics of dog shows and that little pekingese was named malachi like frank mccourt's younger younger brother malachi uh yep best best in show number one dog in the world was little Malachi the Pekingese. So YouTube that shit because it is fabulous. Um, watch him do his victory lap around the ring. Um, it's it's well worth it. Look, he looks like a, a, a Jim Henson character. Like it, it's amazing. Uh, so let's let's talk about these little Pekingese guys. So when when they were uh, in China, like l- long 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 ago, uh, they belonged to royalty. So only like the imperial royalty of China could actually own these dogs. And they would. There's actually a word. I just learned this. There's a a distinction. Uh, between Pekingese, in if you're if you're into that breed of sleeve Pekingese versus non-sleeve Pekingese, <laughs> sleeve is in like in clothing, your sleeve, and the reason why that is is because there's a there's a size difference with these guys. And if they're really, really small, like I think it's like seven pounds or less, something like that, then it, then it qualifies as a sleeve Pekingese. And this comes from uh, the fact that these Chinese uh, emperors, the, the imperial royalty of China, they used to have these really, really big sleeves and they would put the dogs inside of them, kind of like little heaters. <laughs> it's cold in China in the wintertime. Um, and that's, and so because they would fit in the sleeves, they, they're, they, they, we still use that term to identify like a smaller, smaller Pekingese in stature, a, a sleeve Pekingese. So get ready for some history here because this is, this is where it gets interesting. So this breed being so old, so how, d- how did it come that these little guys, these little lion dogs came from China to, to where we are now, to, to Maliki at the, at the AKC show? There were some British and French troops that occupied an imperial palace in uh, what was then Peking. This is around 1860, which is the Second Opium War. Are you all still paying attention? <laughs> some of you are like... Um, but the, the exciting bit of this is that... Uh, the royalty, when the British and the French troops were there during this war, the royalty, they, they fled the palace. Like they were like, oh crap, here come the big kids, we're leaving. So they all went to other parts of China. They left like one old aunt there. I don't know, maybe she was, maybe she couldn't get away. I don't know. But because she was the only one that was left there and here come the British and the French, she committed suicide. And when she did that, she left behind five very distraught, but I'm sure unbelievably cute Pekingese dogs. And so 
when the British and the French went into this imperial palace, they found the body of this old, uh, this old aunt of the royalty and her five very distraught little Pekingese. So off these dogs go. So they, the troops take the dogs off. They go to England. Um, they get given to various uh, dukes. One of those five dogs ended up actually being a gift to Queen Victoria, and she named it Lutie. <laughs> that was it's just just divine name. Um, so let's, if we consider this for a second, so these five dogs came over to, to, to Europe from China during this time period, and then they became, in the next century, they became very popular in the, in, in the West and in America, and we still see them today in veterinary offices quite frequently for health problems. Uh, so if you think about it, all Pekingese dogs, all of them, are all descended from those five original dogs that belonged to that ancient debilitated royal aunt in China in 1860. So that explains, I think, a little bit of the of the inbreeding, some of these problems um, that these little guys have, because they're all from those same five dogs. You know, it's like they've been sleeping with each other's cousins for the last 2,000 years. Um, I love this little legend of of origin for these dogs. Um, there's there's a couple different like different kind of Chinese legends about how they came to be, but I like this one in particular. It, it's it, it is said uh, long ago there were a lion, there was a lion and a marmoset, and a marmoset's a type of monkey, also worth Google imaging, by the way, um, that fell in love. Uh, but of course, they're different sizes, and so they approached Buddha to uh, solve this problem. And the, I think it was the lion who was kind of approaching the Buddha to shrink him so that he could be with this marmoset. And so Buddha took pity on him and he shrank the lion to the size of the marmoset. And the product of their love was the little Pekingese. Very, very cute. Um, so now we'll move on to the veterinary medicine bit of this. So as you could probably tell, these dogs are super inbred and super problematic. Like they're just not put together right. You know, they, they sacrificed all elements of health, all elements of logic to make them look the way that they do. So a couple things that happens to them. Uh, no, number one is, well, number one is actually heart failure. Um, it's a little harder to like look at a Pekingese and know that that's what's going to happen, but it's actually the number one killer of these guys is heart failure. And that's similar with a lot of breeds uh, that that have been inbred multiple times for their looks and not for their health, unfortunately. Uh, the other things that can happen with these little guys, though, that's specific to the way that they're built, um, because their heads are just these little cue balls, you know, they have like no, any kind of dogness about their face has been squished up into like in between their eyes. So they have these flat faces, so they can't breathe. Like if they, if they run around and do normal dog things, like, you know, run around the yard, let's say, they can't breathe. And because they can't breathe and they can't, and you know, dogs don't sweat, they pant. And that's how they get rid of their extra body heat. They can't do that enough to get rid of their extra heat that they build up by running around being like a normal dog. And so they overheat really easily. Um, they, so they, so problems breathing, problems with their heat, uh, problems with their fur. So the fur that keeps them so gorgeous. And so uh, AKC, kennel show best of show that same coat can get really unkept really easily like you know if you don't groom these guys regularly i mean they're just going to be a walking dreadlock there's just no way around it and it also that's the thing that overheats them you know they 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 have it's like two layers like these this one top layer of really like long hair and then this thick undercoat so they can't breathe 
They can't get rid of their body heat. They're a dreadlock if you don't groom them. Um, oh yeah, they go through the world <laughs> leading with their eyeballs. <laughs> Because their their eyeballs are like their most prominent feature of their face, like beyond their nose is their eyeballs, and so they get eye problems. They get they get a disease it's called KCS or kerato keratoconjunctivitis, which means that they get their eyes get very very dry, and it's actually an immune mediated response. Like their own uh, their own immune system is kind of breaking down, uh, is is not allowing allowing their eyes to moisturize properly, and so they end up with a bunch of eye drops. Their eyes can get really goopy. They get really infected. So. Now they're leading, so then they go leading through the world with these giant, infected, dry eyeballs, which is very attractive. The reason this came up uh, in my world this week is because there was a Pekingese that I treated in recent history uh, for for some of these problems, and she was a young dog. She was one year old, and so classic looking. I mean, really classic looking. She had, I mean, she could have been in a little dog show, you know, she had the little black face and this long, long hair and very, very well kept and well groomed. But the reason she was with, you know, the reason I met her is because she had a routine spay at her uh, veterinarian. And when she woke up, she, I think, you know, she probably didn't, you know, it's like, dog, you know, when you wake up from anesthesia, you feel weird. And I feel like there, there's a period where dogs are really excited, where they're not feeling very well. They don't feel right in their heads. And, you know, she probably had that that same type of reaction, except that she's not put together right. So she can't really react like normal dogs would. And she started panting and then she kind of, she got overheated. Um, th- she got into respiratory distress because she couldn't breathe right. And she was probably, because she was breathing so hard, she's overheating and she's overheating and she's breathing hard. You know, it's just a, it's just a cycle. So she ended up getting shipped off to our clinic. I remember her arrival. She arrived in a cat carrier with a black garbage bag around it that they blasted full of oxygen. (laughs) I can't say that I really recommend that technique. It's kind of old school. It's like, you know, if you have no other way to transport a dog that's uh that's that's really dyspneic is what we'd say you know really having trouble breathing then you can fill up a garbage bag full of o2 and wish them on their way i think in this case it really did her a disservice because i think all of that oxygen was gone within minutes um she had at least a 20 to 30 minute ride in the car and she was hot and so the black and it was hot outside and so i think she got even worse with her with her uh hyperthermia in that black bag so we brought her out. She was real. I mean, mentally, like not appropriate. They'd given her some drugs. And so I feel like she was partially, you know, sedated was part of it. But she's also, she has no oxygen in her brain, you know, because her back of her larynx was getting all swollen. Um, so the doctors sedated her, intubated her to, to protect her airway. And she remained intubated for like, oh my God, probably like an hour. Um, we, because we were so desperate about her airway, I didn't check her temperature until she'd already been there for like 10, 15 minutes. And I check her temperature. It's like 107. And the, the top part of temperature for dogs is 102.5. So immediately I'm like, whoa, doctor, we got the hot hot dog, hot doggy. So uh, I put her on uh, the like the metal grate of the wet table and just started just dousing her with cold water. And the, and the idea is that you would lower their temperature down to about 103, um, 103.5, and then you stop because um, after that, you're going to get them too cold. So it's exactly what we did. Um, the doctor actually had me place these uh, oxygen, what we call oxygen cannulas, which are tubes, just like you see people in the hospital. They got the little tube under their nose. It's like that for dogs, except uh, we have to kind of put them inside their nose to really get to Uh, so we can really get the oxygen where it's supposed to be. Now, remember, 
this little Pekingese dog has no face. So <laughs> putting the tubes in, she kind of looks like a bug because she's got this flat face and I have to put these red rubber catheters like, you know, into her little itty bitty nostrils and then kind of curve them up over her head and kind of suture them to her domey head. So she, she kind of looked like a, like, yeah, like a, like an insect of some, of some kind. Um, we did cool her down. Uh, which was good. Uh, we we gave her oxygen. We actually we were able to uh, extract the tube, the the tube that she was intubated with, and she remained uh, with the nasal cannulas, you know, for the next couple hours. I was worried about this dog because I was like, I don't, I don't know if she's got, you know, because what happens when they get so hot and no oxygen is their brains just cook inside their head, right? So I was worried, like, I don't know. I'm worried about her brain. I don't know if she's going to be with us. Oh, God. But then uh, the owner had called for an update. And I actually, I, I ended up talking to this owner and I was like, well, this is her situation. She's in, she's, she's not on, you know, she's, she's not being cooled down anymore. She's got these oxygen cannulas. Um, she's still sedated because we had to give her anesthesia to be, in, to be intubated, but she's not intubated anymore, you know, kind of broke it down what was going on. And the owner starts telling me, oh, she's the sweetest little dog. You know, she likes to jump in the tub with me. <laughs> what and she says you know she's like she's a sweet little pretty thing not not the not the smartest Pekingese I've had I was like oh god but it kind of gave me hope because I was like well you know maybe uh maybe she doesn't need that many brain cells to do what she needs to do (laughs) it's the couple that'll have should should suffice for her to live her little Pekingese life um the great thing is she did start wagging her tail and lifting her head and uh she we did get her home she 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 did go home eventually she spent a night in the hospital she went home in the late afternoon of the next day uh she's i mean but she was in and out of the oxygen cage even uh, overnight i mean it was a tentative little situation with her and but she was a sweet thing it's true that little tail that little that little tail with all the little, little pom-pom with all that fur on it would just start going digga, 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 wagging back and forth as soon as you came up to the cage it's like oh she she wants to she wants to be better um unfortunately this is this this story has a has a tragic end because she, we were not able to keep her out of the hospital uh chloe came back into the hospital because she had hurt her back um these are rather long dogs and although I don't know Pekingese particularly to be uh, part of the back problem dogs. They absolutely, I, I would believe it because they're kind of long and she, um, she had weakness in her rear legs and it was stressing her so much to have that. She, like, I don't think she could put it together in her little head. I don't think that she could really get like make logic of it. And so she was very, very, very stressed, even with pain medication. Um, she ended up being oxygen dependent again. She had to be intubated again. And this was all just because we could not control her panting and her and the body heat and her stress level and all of that compounded with the fact that she probably will need surgery like back surgery um so that that little dog was not not long for this world unfortunately she she was euthanized by the owner but i think this is part of part of why i talk about these breeds is you know like it's a it's a sad end but it was a bit inevitable i'm afraid because of the way that she that you know she was she was put together so uh your best bet, shelter dog, mutt, those are good ones. Stick to those. Um, 2,000 years old for the Pekingese, hmm. it's, they've had a good run. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Now it's time for some more uplifting stories, uh, a testament to our fine skills as veterinary technicians. I bring you Venipuncture 
of the week. It is such a gift uh, to work with people that are so freaking good at their jobs. I'll just I'll just start by saying that. Um, so this vein of puncture of the week goes to uh, my fine co-worker Jennifer Hurley, who managed to get a very large boar catheter in a dying cat. Um, so this cat came to us. Uh, it was a known diabetic kitty, and we got this phone call that this cat was coming into us because they're like, oh, our 17-year-old diabetic cat is kind of stumbling around and falling over. We're like, oh, that's real bad. Kitty should come see us. Um, so it did. Uh, the cat's blood sugar was like 13 or something crazy like that. Turned out the cat was also in kidney failure, uh, which could have been part of the reason why it couldn't stand up or walk properly. So this cat comes in, I mean, pale, not mentally appropriate, you know, kind of dull, small. I mean, it was skin and bones, this little tiny thing. And uh, so, so Jed shaved up, shaved up the leg, had it looking all prepped for the catheter, and I'm looking at it, and she she grabs the the pink one, the pink catheter is a 20. Um, lots and lots of cats get 20 gauge catheters. That that actually is not the unusual part. Um, the unusual part was that I'm looking at this little tiny little blue line, and Jen grabs that cat. I'm like, you know what? You go, girl. I'm not gonna say nothing. I'm just gonna hold this kitty's leg, and I I'm just gonna you go. And so sure enough, she got this large catheter in like what I would think, like I would be like, I I don't know, I'm more timid about those things. I'd be like 22, like the 22 gauge is a little blue one that goes in the dying kitty legs. But she got that one in there and it was smooth and beautiful. And we got, I think we got a blood sample out of that, that we'd saved, you know, not just the blood glucose, but one for running chemistries and that kind of thing. So after that happened, like we were walking around and it was a busy day. So we were walking around doing things. And uh, I kind of turned to her and I was like, girl, you know what? Like that was the vein of puncture of the week right there. It was it was a good moment. So I thought it deserved a little shout out. Go on, girl, with your bad self and the pink catheters in the dying kitties. In and out of town, because I'm the best around with the crazy style. Get your freak on, 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 get your freak on. Oh, it's the part you've all been waiting for. It's time for the veterinary technician self-inflicted wounds portion of the program. So, you know, the bites and scratches from the patients, that's just a hazard of the profession. Like, I feel like that's something we know. It's inevitable that that's going to happen. You know, they're animals. They're unpredictable. You know, stuff happens. But, you know, sometimes we're rushing around. Sometimes we're, you know, we're crazy busy or we're understaffed or or whatever it may be. Um, Emergency surgeries, uh, six dogs in the household all got a hold of the baker's chocolate, whatever. We work with a lot of needles. And so you know where this is going, right? So I figured I'd choose a couple stories um, that have to do with needles of various various kinds, sharp parts of various kinds. So uh, one, one of the ones that uh, is a pretty classic needle stick. So I, I worked with this lovely technician at, uh, at Berkeley Dog and Cat Hospital. And one, one of the routine things that we do is we uh, pull blood and we get a urine sample for um, for what we call a senior profile. What it means is we, we send those samples out to an outside laboratory and they check a CBC, blood chemistry, and they do a urine analysis, sometimes with a culture, sometimes not. It's a pretty standard health check uh, in, in veterinary world for and not just animals that are, you know, seven years old or older, like senior would imply, but, you know, animals that are going to surgery, let's say, or just haven't had a, any kind of health screening in a while. 
Uh, so this dear technician friend of mine was setting up for for that type of profile. She had uh, two different types of syringes with two different types of needles on them. She had one that was for blood and she had one that was for assistocentesis, which is when you get a sterile sample of urine from the bladder uh, in an animal by sticking a needle into its abdomen directly into the bladder and then aspirating on the syringe and getting your sample that way. Um, they just don't have a whole lot of abdominal musculature because they walk on all four legs. So they have more muscles in their like lower back and in their shoulders versus is, you know, people, we walk upright. So we got a pretty significant core set of muscles there. So it's not something that you really see that much in human medicine. They're always going to catheterize you. Uh, for, a, for a urine sample. But animals, we do cystocentesis all the time. Oh, so the type of needle that we use for that, as you can imagine, is pretty long. Like it's like a two and a half inch needle that we use to get that urine sample. So she had somehow set that size needle on the counter next to her, but she was drawing blood. So she was holding, so we get blood from the jugular vein of dogs and the dog was small. So it was sitting on the table and she had one hand up kind of palpating the vein and she reached, I think, without looking onto the table to grab one of the syringes to draw the blood. Somehow, I don't exactly know how she did this, but like the syringe cap was either loose or it was uncapped already or something. But when she reached to grab it, the needle for the cysto, like the long needle, went directly into her palm. Like, all like to the hilt into her hand. And all she did was kind of make a little squawk and then go, um, and she holds up her hand and it's like the entire, I mean, like the syringe is just hanging. Needles disappear. The needles in her hand and she's holding it up like, uh, and it was, Oh, Oh God. And she looks at it and goes, Oh God. And she pulled it out. But now she's got this bruise really is what it feels like. It didn't bleed that much, but it's a bruise more than anything else because you have this big needle that just freaking shut. It's like the right stuff. Remember that movie, the astronaut movie where they stick the needle in his hand? It's all, oh my God. And so she's like, I don't know. I don't really want to go to the hospital. I was like, no, go to, you just stuck a two and a half inch needle to the hilt in your hand. You're going to the hospital. So off she went. Um, the doctor really gave her minimal. He's like, was it in the animal already? She's like, no, you're fine. So turned out no lasting damage from that needle stick, but that was a pretty significant, significant one. Um, I almost killed myself with impaling myself on a needle that was uh, attached to a syringe full of euthasol. So this was my like close call story, but stupid nonetheless. Um, there was a dog that was in uh, what we call the quiet room, which is the room that uh, that we perform euthanasias in. The dog was not nice. And the owner wanted us to place an IV catheter in this dog in the room with her there because the dog was so mean. And I think the dog did have a muzzle on, I seem to recall, but like we couldn't use its back legs because there was some kind of cancer or skin problems back there or something. What that meant was, is I had to put the IV catheter in its front leg and the dog is like sitting in this woman's lap. So basically I'm sitting in this woman's lap, like putting this catheter into this dog who's growling in my face. That's what I remember. So I was so kind of like, oh my God, oh my God, I was so crazy. So I like came out of the room and I was telling the doctor about it. And of course, like, as you can imagine, if you see me in person, I'm rather like, I'm kind of flappy and rather animated as I'm telling you these things. And I like 
was telling the story to the doctor and she had the syringes that were full of euthosol in her hand or this one syringe that was full of euthosol in her hand and she was she was kind of drawing some water into it from the sink because euthosol is really thick and she wanted to dilute it out a little bit and I was telling the story and I like ran up to her and the dog was like growling in my face like this and I like came up to her and she goes ah and I was like what and I felt this little kind of pinch like like of my clothes on like in front of her and she was like oh my god are you okay I'm like what and I look down and she's got this uncapped 18 gauge needle attached to this syringe of euthazole she's like I almost just stabbed you in the freaking heart <laughs> like what and I look at my scrub top and I totally had a big old hole like directly over my heart <laughs> from where that syringe had cut into my scrubs so I was like okay well that was maybe I should Tell you that story later. <laughs> Close call there. Nice going. Um, and then my my final um, veterinary uh, self-inflicted wound is one of my favorites. So I, I worked with a feral cat rescue uh, nurse who I love dearly. And she, she was fearless about angry cats. And there was a cat that boarded with us uh, at, my, at my old job routinely whose name was Damien. And Damien was this brilliantly white cat, but he had all kinds of health problems. So we saw him quite a bit. Uh, he had, he'd get constipated easily. So you had to medicate him three times a day. So you had to put cat gloves on and then try to like handle this syringe of lactulose which is like a, a stool softener and uh you had to give that to him three times a day so the kennel tax loved that but yeah he was like evil like damien like in the movie the omen damien evil um but my 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 dear friend kareen who who loves these angry cats so you know thinks that they're just all misunderstood she wanted to have a relationship with that cat and we warned her we're like you know i kareen i just i would just leave him alone like i don't know that i would really because he was a sneak attack. Like he'd let you in the cage and let you get close. And then it would be like, bam. And then he would, then he would get you. And he had, he had the, he had the paw of lightning. Like he'd be like, boom. And then he would pop you with his really sharp claws. And then you'd be done for. So uh, she would go into the kennel and would kind of open the cage door and sweet talk him a little bit. And she kind of scratched his little head. And she was pretty proud of herself. She's like, you know, I think me and Damien are, are building a relationship here. I think this is actually going pretty well. I'm like, mm, okay. And then uh, it was kind of a slow night in the ER. And, and she's like, I'm going to go and say hi to my friend Damien. I'm like, okay. So off she goes, doo -doo -doo -doo, up the stairs to the kennel. And she's gone for like, you know, I don't know, five, ten minutes. And she comes back quietly. She's like, I, um, I think, uh, the relationship between me and Damien is over. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh oh, you want to tell me about it? She's like, well, I, I, I went into the cage and I, you know, like I do, and I've talked to him a little bit and then he just kind of out of nowhere just shoots this paw out and he claws me right in the arm, it, except that, you know, he, he did it so fast. I, I didn't have a chance to get away. And then his claw was stuck in my arm and so I'm trying to pull it away, but he's like pulling me into the cage, but I'm trying to pull away, but he's pulling me. So it took me a while to get the claw out of my flesh unhooked so that I could release myself from him and come back and tell you this story. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Like, did you wash it? Did you? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I scrubbed it real well. I just, you know, I, th I think, I think it's over between us. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, pro that's probably wise. That's probably wise. Well, you've done it again. You've survived another 30 minutes of Cat Disgusted. A huge thank you to all of my coworkers who were featured in this episode. Um, I'm truly thankful for each and every minute that I've spent with you. You guys are amazing. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope the holidays were wonderful for everybody. And remember... 
do not come and see me at work. Good night, everybody. <laughs>